Hello and welcome to Backstage. I'm Katie Spencer, joined in London by Bethany Minnell and in New York by Stevie Wong. And we are back slightly earlier than usual because basically so much has happened that we felt bad not updating the podcast sooner. So we're all here. Um, you know the drill. If you can, rate, review and subscribe. But let's get down to business, shall we? Coming up, why Game of Thrones fans were quite literally left in the dark by the show's big battle. We knew this episode was going to be almost entirely battle. And that can get really boring really quickly. We'll be talking about James Bond's new baddie. I will be making sure Mr. Bond does not have an easy ride. Taylor Swift has got some new music out and there's a lot to dissect from the video. I'm the only one of me. Plus, so much for High School Musical, Zac Efron goes dark, really dark. It's shocking. But first, so last week we couldn't really say that much about Avengers Endgame. This week it's just been a phenomenal success around the world, hasn't it, Bethany? Oh my goodness, Avengers Endgame has just <laughs> taken over everyone's lives. Even if you're not a fan, I don't think you could have avoided it. And everyone's no. going mad about spoilers. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's massive. Uh, in its first week, it made a record-breaking $1.2 billion. Insane. Uh, yeah, that's about $929 million in English pounds. And that's in, in world ticket sales. It's the biggest opening ever for a film in the UK and Ireland. And it's made $43.7 million. This is money that I can't even like picture in just my head. <laughs> Yeah, just in the opening weekend. Yeah. It's also officially the number 10 movie all time uh, in the worldwide global chart, like by this by this time right now. So so it's insane how fast it kind of went into this into yeah. this record breaking uh, experience. So, yeah, it's crazy. Obviously, we're going to be talking about James Bond later, but this film has already beaten records set by Spectre and Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, you know, it's already beating the big boys and it's the fastest film ever to break the one billion barrier in just five days. Five days to make a billion. It makes my head hurt. This is just like <laughs> cinema magic, isn't it? Like all other films should just be cancelled. But what a week it's been though. Have you read some of the ridiculous stories of people ending up in trouble giving away spoilers? For starters, that man that got really beaten up in coming out of a cinema in Hong Kong. But I mean, well, I know nobody deserves to get beaten up, but if you walk out of a cinema loudly in front of a queue of people declaring who's been killed and what have you. He was maybe just taken in the moment and he was so into it and wanted to share. No. Oh, I don't know. No, <laughs> there I go speculating. It sounds like. <laughs> but I mean, trying to stop people from spoiling the film has just been a, a complete mission. And we've had uh, a video released from the cast as well, basically urging people not to give away what happens. Don't spoil the end game. Don't do it. Don't spoil the end game. I'm watching you. Don't spoil the end game. Now, that being said, Totally ignoring that. We are going to uh, be talking and giving away a lot of spoilers now. So what we're going to do, uh, oh, this is going to be impossible. We're going to try and I am going to get a stopwatch on my phone and we're going to try and limit ourselves to exactly 10 minutes. So if you haven't seen the film yet, you'll be able to skip forward to exactly 10 minutes from now. Right, this is a mission. Yeah. You've starting... been warned. You have Stevie, been warned. Bethany, yes. right, starting now. OK, so um, basically we will know more about what happens next with the Marvel franchise more in July because that's when Comic-Con happens in San Diego and that's when all these big announcements are made. 
Um, but there's a lot that we can sort of speculate on in terms of the films and the TV shows. So in terms of movies, we know that Marvel's definitely planning three movies for 2020, three movies for 2021 and three movies for 2022. And because we know some of the talent that's lined up and some of the script writers have been hired, we can sort of make an educated mm. guess about what mm -hmm. might be happening. So certainly we know two Spider-Men, two more Spider-Men, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, next so, one in July, isn't it? There's going to be, this July, there's going to be a Spider-Man Far From Home, and it also has Jake Gyllenhaal, and he plays the villain Mysterio. Okay, he's now, good. He is good. Uh, this is where a spoiler come, kicks in, because people are wondering where this falls into the timeline of stuff, mm. because, you know, the, it, when you see the trailer for it, they're, they're on a school trip, and then everybody's there. And so it turns out it does happen right after Endgame. So uh, for many of the characters, five years have passed, and so, and some of them have moved on. So the way the, mm, gosh, this is a spoiler moment, but like, you know, in, in, in the film, certain people uh, come back as if it's the next day because they all got mm, yeah. uh, made into dust and so now it's five years later and others have become adults by then because now it's five years later. Timelines so, are crossing and people are yes. going on different divergent routes. It's exactly. so bloody complicated. It really messes it's with very my head. Complicated. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, so we also know, because um, we have to keep this tight, Black Panther's <laughs> yeah. going to get a sequel. Doctor yes. Strange, we think, is also going to get a sequel. And we're guessing, because it did so well, Captain Marvel's going to get a sequel yeah, as well, because people right. loved Brie Larson, mm. didn't they? Um, a third Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Uh, that's not going to be for a while, though, is it? No, they haven't announced that yet. But, you know, at the end of Endgame, you know, Thor wants to hang out with the Guardians. So um, maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll, he'll... I know, right? <laughs> so maybe he'll be part of this gang uh, in, in, in the future episode. So yeah. we'll see. And James Gunn is back on board, isn't he? Yeah. Thank goodness. So, I mean, that bodes well. We also know already in production at the moment is a, a Black Widow movie because Scarlett Johansson's been filming that, hasn't she? It's already in the works. Right. Um, but given what happens in the film, we can sort of uh, guess, can we, about a bit more about when it might be it's, set? It's it's probably going to be a prequel, even though the whole time I was watching Endgame, I was thinking like, but she's filming a, a film <laughs> right now. And so, so I was worried like, about the she... logistics. <laughs> I know. And so I'm like, will there be an So this was interesting. At the very end of Endgame, most Marvel films have two kind of little, like little nuggets about future films. And so the fact is in this film, there literally was everybody sat to watch the credits and at the very end, nothing happened. <laughs> and so... I was hoping that maybe there was going to be a Black Widow moment where, like, you just see a hand moving or something like yeah. that. But, like, nope. no, nothing. And so mm. I really don't know how this is going to play out for oh, her. Oh, God, in so what, you guys version. all just sat there waiting and then not, and then literally that was it. End of credits. Yeah, it, totally. The lights went on. That's <laughs> totally. a really sad moment. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> they totally tricked you all. <laughs> and then we've got new characters. So this has been interesting. So Shang-Chi is going to be the first uh, Marvel feature with an Asian lead. Uh, John Cho is in this film. And then also um, uh, The Eternals is, 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 has been announced. And Angela Jolie has, Angelina Jolie has been assigned onto the project. See, and that's so, an interesting uh, one, isn't it? That sounds like it's another sort of an ensemble type yeah. one, isn't it? Because yeah. the Eternals, yeah. it's based, I mean, I don't know, but, but it's based on an evolutionary offshoot of the human race as well. Wasn't Peter exactly. Quint a celestial? Like, it's all, I love how this works. 
Angelina yeah, so, Jolie. Uh, oh my God, she's going to be good. I know that's going to be good. And then Ms. Marvel, uh, which is now it feels like an offshoot of of uh, Captain Marvel, which is about a young girl who idolizes Captain Marvel, and and not really sure how that's going to fit into all this. But there's there's a lot more characters, and it looks like female female and people of color are going to be like kind of mm. very nicely represented yeah. in in the, in the next batch of of Marvel films. And we know uh, the Miss Marvel thing because we know that the the Marvel head uh, Kevin Feige, I think his name is, he said that there are plans to introduce her into the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. so we can fairly guess that if she doesn't have her own film she's going to pop up fairly soon in one of the other ones. But the big thing is that Disney is really heavily investing into their Disney Plus uh, platform. Yeah, we and mentioned this be last week, didn't we? a whole bunch of shows. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Disney Plus yeah. is basically going to be the place to turn to if you love the Marvel Universe, really, because they've got all of the contracts for this. So their streaming site opens at the end of this year, doesn't it? Autumn. In November. And uh, they've already announced uh, WandaVision, which has Scarlet Witch, and The Vision, who died in the, in the Infinity Wars. And so don't know how they're going to do this but maybe a prequel isn't is in the works yeah. for this one loki uh who uh, apparently died in, in 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 infinity wars somehow in the end game if you watch the film there's a little bit of a moment where they go back in time and he uh gets a tesseract and an escape so maybe it's going to be that kind of loki where he kind of jumps into a different time zone oh and yeah so this is adventures. a different one to the one in avengers endgame exactly kind of uh, well it, it <laughs> Well, he he did make he features in Endgame, but then remember he escapes. So so this might be a continuation of his uh, adventures. That anyone way. confused yet? <laughs> yeah, all of us are. Hawkeye Hawkeye is going to be in the works. He uh, retired at the end of Endgame, but. Since there's a TV series, I'm sure he's oh, going to be he'll called come back out into of doing retirement. something. It's fine. Yeah. It's a good gig, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. remarkable, though, how many people that they've got signed up for these individual TV shows, haven't they? They're doing yeah, incredibly it's, it's well. It's insane. And, and the big one is that there's a new Captain America uh, because the, the, the shield was passed on at the very end of Endgame. And so um, there's going to be this, this Captain America, with, and they're calling it the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. So we'll see how... We'll see how that that kind of plays into the next the next batch of, of um, you know Marvel uh, storylines. So, so I mean, even oof. though everyone was talking about Endgame, this is sort of where it yeah. all wraps up. It's, it's not, totally it's not wrapped up, up and then it? it's kind of chucked out all these other balls of wool, and then everyone's following them yeah. around like kittens. Yeah. There's just this is endless, isn't it? It's kind of <laughs> oh, you've made superheroes really fluffy I, and I, sweet. I, I, where no. I can bring kittens in, kittens <laughs> and love and wool. Um, also, the other thing, though, we should say as well, the, the speculation over... Oh, there's so many different things. Things that have, have been sort of throwaway comments, but the, we reckon, though, don't we, that there could be a franchise crossover, Stevie? Yeah, so what happened is Disney purchased 20th Century Fox, who uh, had the rights to X-Men and Fantastic Four. So the fact that, you know, now it's part of this whole new family, uh, there's talk that... I mean, there there will be like some kind of crossover at some point at some point for the X Men and the Fantastic Four to kind of join into this whole Marvel oh, a massive hybrid kind of creature. It would be cool, wouldn't it, if there's some sort of crossover? Um, the other thing that everyone has been furiously speculating about is uh, whether or not 
a clue was made as to a possible villain that could be coming in the the universe soon. What, like a brand new villain? Probably. I, I mean, this there's there was some throwaway lines that could reference that Namor the Submariner was going to kind of make uh, an appearance. And Denai Guerrero's Okoy from uh, from Black Widow, she mentioned an underwater earthquake off the coast of Africa, and uh, and Black Widow wanted to know how Wakanda planned on take tackling the strange phenomenon, and so Okoy said that it was time to leave it alone for now. So this could be a reference to the Submariner, and and you know if you're a fan of Aquaman, uh, but it like it's kind of like Aquaman, but he's not Aquaman because it's Marvel's version of Aquaman. So um, he he was a, a villain that kind of uh, played a big role in in in, in the comic books in the oh, Marvel an world. underwater villain, and that gives a lot of scope for a lot of fun and some amazing effects. Yeah, we'll see. I'm never a big fan of the water underwater oh. he- heroes and stuff. So even Aquaman, Stevie, uh, bless you him. love Aquaman. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, How often I love, do we I talk love... about Aquaman? I yes, I love the actor who plays <laughs> yeah. the Aquaman. Um, Jason but just yeah, rules. E- yeah, even that couldn't get me to. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so much money that's going into all these films and TV shows. It's insane, isn't it? It's it's gonna be mad. But hey, um, if you've speaking, made a billion, yeah, yeah, if you've made a billion. Uh, speaking of people coming out of the water, uh, maybe in the next Bond film we'll get another moment. It's the it's the last one that Daniel uh, Craig is going to be in, and hopefully he'll kind of like give us fans a moment where he can be iconic <laughs> out of the water, like kind of uh, in his, scene for in us. his in his speedos. That would be yes, quite. Quite the amazing um, it's, it's, finale, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be brilliant. Um, so something happened over, like during this whole period when when Avengers was going on. Like Bond also showed up out of nowhere. Insane. So much happened in the last week. We were just going, oh <laughs> yeah. God. All, all the entertainment news happened in a period of like two days. It's crazy. Yeah. So James Bond, they had this massive announcement, didn't they, over in Jamaica? Um, they, they told us a bit. They they left us hanging on a lot of fronts. Um, we know that it, it doesn't have a title. It's just called. Called Bond 25 at the moment. Uh, of course, it's Daniel Craig's last one. Um, they announced it in this hugely sort of glamorous settings of Jamaica because Jamaica is Bond's spiritual yeah. home, really. And that's where Ian it? Fleming wrote it all, didn't he, in his beautiful villa? Yeah, and also they've set a couple over there, haven't they? Doctor No and Live and Let Die both um, featured over there. Um, yeah, and we know because uh, Barbara Broccoli announced it, who of course is the, the legendary uh, Bond producer, she revealed that the star part of this film will begin with Bond not on active service but in Jamaica um, enjoying himself no doubt so you never know we might get some uh some scenes of him coming out of the water as you requested, Stevie. Fingers crossed! (laughs) But will Daniel Craig be enjoying himself? That's the big Mm. question, isn't it? Because obviously he's said those things before which he's never going to get forgotten about. Rather, you know, he'd rather slash his wrists than be in in Bond again. So I'm sure he deeply regrets those, ever saying it, if only because everyone keeps asking him about it. But is it just me or did he look a little bit grumpy in this kind of announcement? He was very dour, right? Is that not just standard Daniel Craig these <laughs> days. I mean, he's a serious actor, isn't he? So he has a little bit of an air of grumpiness I, about I him all the time. I think that's just his face. That's like his <laughs> resting face. Aww. So maybe that's what was going on. He, I mean, he's there. He's going to make this film. He's going to commit himself for the next possibly two years for this. So yeah. he can't be that grumpy at the beginning stages. Well, you'd um, hope, wouldn't you? And apparently Barbara Broccoli is busy trying to persuade him to do more. 
because I think oh, no, it, it can't. He'd be too old to do another one, surely. Yeah. Well, everyone was saying that's why this announcement has suddenly happened because, as you said, we're actually not that much further along with, you know, what's going to be happening in the film and how much of it has been shot and the work really started. And there's kind of rumours that they just kind of had to get on and do this before everyone kind of yeah. forgot. And, and and as you said, Daniel Craig gets too old. Well, speaking of rumours, did you read the page six stuff about? Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but bit bitchy, but they've been saying that apparently the crew have been saying that Daniel Craig isn't the easiest a person to work with, which, I mean, when you're at that level, you want perfection, I guess, don't you? So it perhaps is understandable, but yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of rumours flying around. Um, also, though, they said that they believe that having cameo roles as baddies in this latest one will be Grace Jones and Christoph Waltz. So, <laughs> I mean, the lineup of people that you've got starring as well, because we also know that the big announcement that they made about the brand new baddie that's going to be in this one. Drum roll. Drum roll. Man <laughs> of the moment, Rami Malek, Oscar-winning actor, uh, is going to be playing the film's villain. He's going to be a brilliant villain, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to be good. He, he, he does a good sort of menacing, brooding look, doesn't he? he? Do- well, actually, Daniel Craig said, didn't he? Because he wasn't there at this announcement. Well, isn't he filming at the moment, Stevie, yeah. in, in New York? Yeah, so, so yes, Rami is in New York and he's finishing up uh, Mr. Robot, which kind of launched him into the popular culture, you know, gave him the jobs yeah. uh, eventually and the Oscar, and uh, even though he wasn't there for the for in in Jamaica, he did say something to the fans uh, that we have a little grab for. Tell us one bit that you're all in the absolutely stunning setting of Ian Fleming's iconic Caribbean home, Golden Eye, on the island of Jamaica. No, not at all. I'm stuck here in New York in production, but I am very much looking forward to joining the whole cast and crew so very soon. I promise you all, I will be making sure Mr. Bond does not have an easy ride of it in this, his 25th outing. I can't wait to see you all soon. Cheers. I bet he was a bit gutted to not be in Jamaica, though. You would. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was a bit strange when um, on the live announcement, someone said, oh, well, that's a bit scary, isn't it? Daniel, what do you think? And Daniel just sort of said, creepy. I thought, oh, maybe he's not too keen on Rami. I don't know, maybe he's not. I mean, he's going to be the baddie, isn't he? Well, he did try his best to to muster up some enthusiasm, didn't he? He spoke (laughs) at this um, press conference as well, and he said he he liked the fact that at each release of the movie, it's a big sort of moment, it's a big event. The movies have been an event. I mean, I think for myself, I remember going to see them as a kid, and they were, they were, they were, they were a moment. You know, the, the new Bond coming out was just incredibly exciting, and um, and uh, I, I, we've just tried during my tenure, just tried to sort of continue that tradition of just making movies that stand out and are different from the other movies out there. Um, there's the there's the enduring. Um, um, a theme of, of, of Ian Fleming, who, who wrote all the books here. I mean, the, the books sort of set it up. And the early movies with Sean Connery were just just so amazing. I think it's just sort of, I think, I mean, so many things. Of course, the most exciting thing that we found out, though, is about Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh. Who saw that one so coming? So cool. That and is who so knew cool. that Daniel Craig was such a big fan of Phoebe Waller-Bridge? I, I love to think that he, that that Daniel and Rachel Vice sit at home, and Rachel said to him, "You know what you need for this latest Bond? You need Phoebe Waller-Bridge involved." <laughs> well, and he I went, mean, yeah, yeah, that's allegedly <laughs> yeah. what apparently happened yeah. because he was just such a big fan of Fleabag that he requested to make a call. I mean, she's she's woman of the moment, isn't she, at the moment? And, uh, I mean, if she can bring just a smidgen of that humour, that quirkiness to Bond, it's going to be 
great, Definitely. Isn't it? And that female perspective, which even if you're a massive Bond fan, that's often kind of lacking. I know the films have got a lot better at being a bit more tongue-in-cheek and a bit more, a bit, bit cleverer, but I think that'll give it a real, a real kick. I've got, I've got high hopes for Phoebe Waller-Bridge making yeah. me like Bond films. But I would say the fact that she's giving the script a polishing, does that imply that, I mean, this script's been passed between a few people now, hasn't it? Does that imply that we're still sort of a bit worried about what the exact plot line's going to be? Yeah, and they, they've started shooting and they're still finding people to polish up a script. Yeah. This could be a bit of a thing. But we have a director... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Something. ..who basically is very good at kind of reigning in all of this madness. And so it's, it's so originally it was going to be directed by Danny Boyle and then there were some creative differences and then Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who I don't know if you watched in the um, presentation, he is very handsome and so um, <laughs> he was certainly think, working the no sock look honestly exactly. that was, no. that was my dear Jamaica maybe it's acceptable yeah. yeah he's very trendy like that but I mean this guy is such a good looking man that like really he should be an actor but no he's actually a, a director instead um, so he made his name directing edgy films like Sinombre Beast of No Nation but he's big calling card was that he uh, did True Detective the first season yeah, and so everybody best. loved yeah exactly and all those projects seem to be very low budget compared to what Bond does which is typically upwards of 200 million dollars so yeah. it's a very interesting choice to have Carrie kind of come in but he Do, had you um read any of the the fallout from because he I, I think they're thinking by taking him on board that they're going to have a slightly easier ride than they would with Danny Boyle because of his quotation marks creative differences but he's that he no had pushover is he no. Kerry oh, no, because have you read all the background all. to the Stephen King film that they were making um, they were doing a version of it uh, with New Line and Warner Brothers and they got so far through it but it ended up having to be shelved because he just couldn't agree on a script and he refused to compromise so you never know yeah. I mean it might out of the frying pan into the fire yes and he directed um, Maniac as well which was a Netflix series and that was fantastic mm. yes. yeah really edgy and fun with Jonah Hill so between him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge we're going to have an interesting <laughs> bond um, and they're still saying as well April 2020 is the release date so it'll be interesting oh, to see gosh. if they hit to that hit, stick to that that's not far away really it's really that's not like, y- that so it's less than yeah, a year things, things have to happen very quickly um, speaking of quickly speaking of jump cuts <laughs> game of thrones oh, did everybody watch that that hyper dark game episode if uh, you could watch it that's the question yeah. mark isn't it? <laughs> it could you actually see what the dickens was going on so in case you <sighs> haven't seen i mean we're generally game of thrones fans are used to being kept in the dark but <laughs> yeah. literally this time <laughs> it, it was the darkest episode ever so the long night is this big um massive sort of battle that they've been preparing people for for ages Um, to set the scene uh, we've got a little clip actually from the Game of Thrones YouTube channel with some of the executive producers describing what they wanted for this episode knew this episode was going to be almost entirely battle and that can get really boring really quickly you can watch it for a certain number of minutes before the effect starts to dampen. Part of it was making sure that we really stayed focused on the characters. And so whether it's Arya's storyline or Sansa uh, and Tyrion down the crypt or Jon Snow and Danny up in the dragons, kind of like all these separate little battles within the, within the greater battle. 
But, of course, there have been loads of complaints about it being too dark. It's, um, yeah, Variety described it as mostly a blurry slog. <laughs> oh, God, that's a damning description, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, the, there were a few scenes where it was a bit lighter, wasn't there? But um, generally, it was quite hard work. But Game of Thrones is often very dark, isn't it? And not I'm not just not talking theme, but it is a very dark, shadowy show. But didn't you get the feeling, and this is just me, because I, you know, I, I don't necessarily like war movies, but it feels like, in general, when it comes to a big battle, there should be really good kind of you know, decisions made. And, and so they had all these different, like, like uh, divisions, but no one really knew what they were doing and it was all in the dark. And then so, like, half of them died so quickly. And it was like, guys, did not anybody plan <laughs> the fight? Because it just, it's so dark. Like, maybe a dragon could have lit up some of the lights or something like oh, that. I don't yeah. know. It, just, it was just very lit strange. Lit by dragon. Just, yes. And so I didn't get the fight. But what I loved is, is that the cinematographer said something really funny because he goes, uh, Fabian Wagner, he goes, GOT has always been very dark and a very cinematic show and should be watched in a dark environment. <laughs> Ideally, this means viewing it like you would a movie in a dark theater. We tried to give the viewers and fans a cool episode to watch because I know it wasn't too dark because I shot it. So. <laughs> that is just the yeah. best. It's Thanks, not Barbie. my fault ever. And didn't, it's didn't yours. you also say yeah. that people just don't know how to set up their TVs properly? Yeah. And so it's everyone's was... fault for not putting their colour right. And it's like, oh. but They always oh. say this, don't they, whenever we... Yeah. have issues with the colouring yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And the irony of all this is that, you know, this build-up happened and yet none of the, uh, yes, a couple of characters did go, but none of the big ones went. And so it's like all of these people got got slaughtered by the by the Night Watchers. And then when you look at the end game, you know, the final, it's like, oh, yeah, there's just like there's still 20 of the leads still here. And we're, we're like, uh, we're still hanging out, uh, which then thinks I think that it's going to lead to the, the big, big battle that's yeah. going down to King's Landing. So but as well, I mean, if they're going to have a wobbly episode where we question whether it's any good. Do it, episode three. Yeah, everyone yeah. forget. Bring out your best stuff towards the end. Yeah. Yes. Um, should we'll we should we switch to something much lighter and fluffier and and candy? Can we go back to my kittens, please? Yes. yes. Yeah. Come on, this will cheer you up, Bethany. Taylor Swift's <laughs> new music. Has everyone seen the video? Yeah. You can't avoid the video. If you go on YouTube to watch anything, the video gets played at you incessantly. That's what I found. <laughs> but it's good. I actually, yeah, I, I quite enjoy being force-fed. It's like being force-fed Haribo's or something. It's quite lovely. Oh it's very yeah. sickly sweet, though, isn't yeah. it? So she, she'd been teasing something was about to happen for a few weeks, hadn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, it's her duet with Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. Yeah. Just a quite fun a team-up, I thought. And, yeah, as we've said, I mean, the video is just pastel-tastic, isn't it? Mais oui, the French as well. Mais bien sûr. And yeah, yeah. I really enjoy that. You know, I, I love a French film. So when I when I started watching it, I actually thought for a moment that somehow I'd clicked the wrong button and I was watching like the French version oh. of the video. And I was like, That'd oh, be even better. This is, this is weird. And then I was like, oh, no, no, I see they're doing a skit, like a kind of a classy French movie where they had a little um, a little tete-a-tete, a little argument with each other in French. I'd I love it. to speak to someone that's French and actually get a, a <laughs> yeah. take on her accent because it sounds a very American version of French. Yeah. I think there have been lots of practice 
practicing there because there were some really good um, French kind of idiosyncratic phrases as well, like how a French person would say it. So it had obviously been well scripted. But everyone is picking the video apart now, aren't they? Because we know that um, she's got to release her seventh album very soon. And, and apparently there are clues in the video about what the name of the album is. Is that right? Is that is true. So, so uh, the fans have been writing in to Taylor and she's they've been guessing what the name of the album is. And she has said that there have been clues in the, in the video. And a big one seems to be Daisy, mm. uh, which is featured throughout the video and is the name of her favorite character in the book, The Great Gatsby, which she wrote about in an essay to LUK. And, um, Was that her one about 30 like, things that she's done before she's... 30. Exactly. Mm. Uh, but the big, big tell is that they have online merchandise now. Like last week, I think some online merchandise ah. kind of popped up. And there's a tote bag with a daisy on it. So <laughs> Taylor people are like, convinced. Does. So sorry, yes. the LUK or Taylor Swift has the Taylor merch. Swift does. Taylor oh, well, yes. has got the merch. No, yes. but, but I think the theory, because some other fans think that they're going to call it Kaleidoscope Ooh. because of all the trippy kaleidoscopes in the yes. video. And also, best fact of the day, a group of butterflies is described as a kaleidoscope Yeah, because there's so many butterflies in it. Which I love and yeah. I didn't but know. I think that's a really good guess, isn't it? I put it to you people, what on earth rhymes with kaleidoscope? <laughs> How are you going to do that? Periscope, sort of. Periscope. Well, that would be terribly romantic, <laughs> your song about kaleidoscopes and periscopes, <laughs> Bethany. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But did the fan also saw, saw the word on exactly. the back of a snake in, in, in the, the back video. Of a snake. Although, how true. How has just one fan seen this? I'm, yeah. I'm are confused. Are you just literally doing yeah. like frame by frame at <laughs> yeah. this point? Uh, there, are, there are other guesses, uh, words like rainbow, amour, because mm, the, the French theme, yeah. and, and even heart. Uh, there was something uh, flashing. Was it, was it amour that was flashing in the background <sighs> on a neon sign on in the shot of Paris Could or something? Could be. But, you know, here's the thing. These could all just be tracks on, a, on an album, you know, yeah. and still, like, it's still we don't know the name the of the album. The title of so the album. She's, she's, she could be playing us, so that's, that's oh. what I And the I Dixie think. Chicks appear, don't they, in a photo in one of, in, in the bit where oh. she says, um, what's the lyric? The lyric about, all oh, there's lots of cool chicks out there. And the yep. Dixie Chicks are behind her in a, in a picture. She does I, do good I, references. She really does. Double meanings, yeah, doesn't she? Really also good. the Kanye <laughs> West reference as well. I know that I went yep. psycho on the phone. Oh. I love it. I, I hope that Kanye loves that when he goes, oh, that's better. Thank you for <laughs> referencing that. Uh, do you think Kanye will pop up into her performance at the Billboard Music Awards? Uh, oh, Christ which is going alive, on, do like, you think? As, yeah, Maybe he'll storm the stage because they're opening it, aren't they? <laughs> like That would be the best opening ever. Dressed as a butterfly? <laughs> I know, Flapping I know. In. in. In a kaleidoscope of hearts and <laughs> yeah. Carrying yeah. a snake. Because <laughs> the Billboard, uh, we're recording this before the Billboard Music Awards, aren't they? Aren't we? I think yeah. we're recording this on a Wednesday. I think they're out tomorrow, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, sort of 1am in, in the morning here in the UK but yeah we, yes. they should be out and the results should be there the winners yes isn't it so Taylor um, will be performing me with Brandon Yuri live for the first time to the world and so that's going to be a big kind of thing our our, our favorite BTS is going to do something with Halsey uh with their massive single boy with love and then Mariah Carey is going to get the icon award so hopefully she's going to do a medley of classics and, um, and Cardi B is leading the way isn't she with the nomination she's up for so much she's up for over 20 she is. awards so do, 
I hope she shows up, but it doesn't sound like she's going to perform anything. Um, so we'll, we'll see if maybe she'll surprise everybody with, with a, maybe a little performance of sorts. And all this will be reined in by Kelly Clarkson, who's second now time. the host yeah, uh, returning. for the second time. Yeah, it's oh, going to be interesting. We, can we quickly, while we're sticking with music as well, mention Stormzy? Because Stormzy, for the yeah. first time in ages, has put a new track out this week. Everyone's either talking about Taylor Swift or Stormzy. The two don't exactly go together. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a track, Bossy Bop. It's yeah. brilliant. My brothers don't die, we just rusty bark. I tell you, got to link me at the coffee shop. Getting freaky in the sheets, we're taking body shots. Then I finish with a fish, we're just to top it off. Hey, um, and he die, again, like Taylor Swift, has said that it's the prelude to, to a new album, shop. which is on the way very soon, but he hasn't given us a release date. Um, but he's such an interesting artist, isn't he? So again, there's references to the government, and in the video as well, Boris Johnson, you've got dancers in blonde wigs. and Oh, I can really hear what's going on in the background. Yeah, we... Is there a big oh, yeah. traffic jam? going on there in There's New York, Stevie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a busy day in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I love, I love you get distracted no, very I nice. love this <laughs> soundscape. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's real, like it's, a Stormzy track. That's what yeah. it is. Exactly. Um, <laughs> You've got to keep it real. Keep it, keep, yeah, keep you down there with the people on the streets. I and like also, them. and the next big thing for him, of course, is uh, Glastonbury. And I can't wait for Glastonbury. I'm so gutted that I don't have a ticket to that in June. Um, but he's headlining the Pyramid stage on the Friday critics are sort of questioning whether or not perhaps it might be a little bit early for him to be headlining but I don't think so I mean no. if you've ever seen him live he's just phenomenal. Oh, I think he'll be bang on won't he? I mean he doesn't have to present his portfolio of work I think he can he can rock it yeah. that'll be fine. As part of the promotion he's been doing for Vossi Bop as well he's been talking about the fact that I love it because he's friends with all these people now <laughs> former headliners that have done Glastonbury he said because he's um, done the duets with Ed Sheeran before he says he's been asking Ed Sheeran about oh. it he's also oh. Spoken oh, cool. to um, Chris Martin and Adele, apparently, and they've all been giving him tips. So. That's adorable that he's just getting a little bit of reinforcement and boosting his confidence as if he needs to. Oh, he's so good. That's lovely. I, do, I don't know what's Can... wrong with me, but every time I watch... Uh, when I watched that Vossi Bop video, I got a little bit teary, and I know that's not the reaction that you're meant to get, but it's just things like him. He makes me really proud to be British mm. because he's just cool and he's for real. the people and he's real yeah. and he's speaking speaking truth to those in power man yeah and fossy bop what is the fossy bop is it a dance move <laughs> oh god you're so uncool i Bethany. really am i'm it's like I, I'm, I'm still i'm still flossing <laughs> I, I have no know. idea what you're talking about either so it's like what is this fossy bop google yeah. it it's a viral move you sort of just you like move your shoulder Oh. That's a, oh, I'm doing it now. Katie's doing literally doing it. Oh. I'm, I'm oh. the only one appreciating it here, but it looks amazing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Take a photo. Take a photo. <laughs> Please don't. Ah, so many music news. Um, shall we switch to film, though, quickly? Uh, we've got to talk about the new Tolkien film. You've been doing a lot on this, haven't you? I haven't. Obviously, the film Tolkien, it's the biopic about J.R.R. Tolkien, obviously the famous author. Yeah, of we know about Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings don't we? Yeah. We just don't really know about the, much about the man. That's himself. exactly it. We all know his work, but we don't know the man tell me a story it's a story about journeys the journeys we take to prove ourselves it's about inventions it's about potent magic magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before so this film is a biopic about him but it's very much about his early life 
pre-writing The Hobbit, it like literally kind of takes you up to his kind of first few penned words of The Hobbit. But the really interesting thing about this film is that the family and the estate have said in a very terse statement, in fact, I'll read it to you, they've kind of disavowed it. They said the family and the estate wish to make clear that they did not approve of, authorise or participate in the making of this film. They do not endorse it or its content in any way. They're quite strict, aren't they, his estate, though? I seem to remember, didn't wasn't it the case with Lord of the Rings? They didn't actually endorse any of those films either. Yeah, exactly. And they have, they, they eventually settled stuff, didn't they? I think it was to do with the royalties and it all got settled. But they've also had lawsuits with um, a gaming company that tried to use Lord of the Rings images in, in their kind of, I think it's kind of like betting game shops. And also somebody who wrote a, a novel and they used Tolkien as a kind of within it as the author and they weren't having any of that either so yeah they have got a history but I I, I spoke to the cast which is obviously Nicholas Holt plays Tolkien Lily Collins plays his um his muse and later his wife Edith Bratt and I also spoke to the director Dome Kurakoski and I mean yeah listen to this this is what Dome actually said to me because I I put it to him you know it's not good news is it when the family of the person you're making the biopic about disavow it and this is what he said. The film is done with respect mm. and admiration. I, I hope that when they see the film, they would, you know, like it to a certain extent. But there's also a reason why you usually don't work with the states, because very easily you start servicing them rather than the film. They kind of, even they would be the kindest estate ever, they kind of become your friends and you start, you know, servicing them rather the purity of the drama that you are trying to make the best possible film. At the same time, you know, there's, there's always the pain. At the same time, they have the right but I think it was actually was not that hostile. It was, it was kind of just said, please don't send your interview request here. You know, it's their film, not ours. Have you got any idea why? I think it's just I think it's just a habit. Mm. I mean, you know, they they didn't like the Lord of Rings films, and, and I, I understand that. As kind of understand the adaptation and how you would adapt it differently. Um, but I said, you know, I would just love them to see the film. So you can see what he said there. Just as you said, Katie, he was kind of like, well, you know, I'm not taking it personally, but they didn't like Lord yeah. of the Rings either. Well, the other thing I but, was reading about this as well is they, they're because they want to preserve his history so well, they don't want to be seen to endorse something that isn't precisely his timeline of what happened to him. So I yeah. think in the film they don't show him getting married, do they, or something like that? No, so it's Little pre details that. like it's that. It's that. And something that was really important to him that he, he expressed to me when I chatted to him is there's a big kind of dead poet society like um, secret literary club in, in the film and it, you're, you're kind of led to believe that that was a big part of him putting together the ideas for Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth and everything, this kind of, this boys club. And I think possibly they're not too keen on, on that being kind of built up as something which inspired him necessarily to go on and to do all his future work, this club with these three other boys, and which is then broken up by World War One because Tolkien actually fought in World War One and was in the Battle of the Somme uh, and was one of the few people that survived it. You know, it's very that's actually a really moving part of the film. Is it worth seeing? Did you did you enjoy it? It's it was a good, solid film. Um I, I did enjoy it. I don't know if I was just feeling a bit emotional, but it made me cry several times because the wartime scenes are very moving. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And, and Nicholas Holt, who plays Tolkien, is is a great actor. So yeah, <clears throat> and he really em embodies it. And, and actually, when I when I spoke to um, to Nick and Lily about the film, they both backed up that that thing that they're actually fans, um, and that 
for them, they really hope this brings an element of the man behind the stories and brings people to Tolkien's work. Because actually, it turns out Nicholas Holt first read Tolkien, he read The Hobbit when he was on the set of About a Boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is really oh. nice, kind of full circle. Yeah, and also they had to um, borrow him from X-Men because at one point they didn't think X-Men were going to release uh, Nick, Nick Holt in time to film it. But thank- thankfully, X-Men released him a little bit early so he could take part. But yeah, it's a very interesting film. Um, definitely, definitely lots of food for thought. And it's kind of nice to know a bit about the man behind the Lord of the Rings stories, which I didn't know before. I feel like you've been watching some very different films <laughs> this week, though, Bethany, because the other one that we're going to just finish up on talking about now, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. It's Zac Efron's new film where he plays um, serial killer Ted Bundy, one of the world's most notorious serial killers, of course. This case is about catching a monster. Ladies and gentlemen, I am that innocent suspect. You are skating on thin ice, partner. How does this compare then? Oh, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, obviously this is the, the biopic of Ted Bundy, one of the world's most notorious serial killers who killed over 30 women, probably quite a lot over yeah. 30, but, you know, we don't know, between 1974 and 1978. I mean, the thing is, he's, he's uh, a handsome serial killer, isn't he? Yes. So I think everyone, whenever you do anything about Ted Bundy, worries slightly about whether or not uh, you're glorifying what happens. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, this is the thing and this is what kind of put him down into almost like folk history, is that he, he charmed his victims uh, before he, killing them. He charmed his girlfriend, Liz Kopfler, who again is Lily Collins is in this film again. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's a, she's a busy lady. Um, <laughs> but he charmed her. She had no, you know, she, she had a daughter, not with him but he, he was a surrogate father to her daughter. She was with him for seven years and, and towards the end is kind of when she finally realised something was going on but you know, he completely conned her. And most surprising of all, he, he kind of managed to charm the judge of his case, which Gosh. is where the title of this film actually comes from in his summing up, this phrase of extremely wicked, evil and vile. That came from the judge. But he also said that Bundy would have been a great lawyer because he actually represented himself in court. He said he was um, wasted humanity. So it almost feels like the 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 judge kind of was charmed by him and was kind of saying, oh, what a waste, Ted, to be putting you to death. <laughs> well, it's like, well, actually, let's think Awful. about the 30 women who have lost their lives. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Is, is this done with taste, then? This is done in an interesting way. Um, but that question, and I asked him directly, the director of this film, Joe Berlinger, is this glorifying Ted Bundy? Is this adding to kind of the folklore myth? Is this murder porn? And he said no, because actually this doesn't deal with the killing. You don't see anyone being killed toward, until okay. right towards the end. Right. So he kind of said, no, it wasn't. But possibly for that very reason, the film has been criticised a little bit because actually you're telling a story of a killer, but there isn't that much killing. And towards, you know, you're kind of really getting to know him, you're getting to know the relationship. But Lily, Lily Collins doesn't really quite get used enough considering she's such a good actress. It's, it's a good watch, but I think um, possibly it's slightly misfired and doesn't tell the story in a strong enough mm. way. And how was Zach to talk to? Oh, Zach is very interesting. Um, in fact, let's let's hear so you, what... You might be the first person to have said that. <laughs> he, actually, he 
actually really was, but he wandered out of his little room where you do your interview with him and he came in to meet the journalists first because he oh. wanted to see us in our natural habitat. <laughs> so that was really nice. I kind of Before got a... killing you? Was that, was that the goal? <laughs> he was actually adorable. Um, and this is what he said, because clearly Zac Efron, high school musical, bit of a heartthrob. Yeah, very know, different. Yeah, taking on this dark role. But actually, it's interesting because I think that was the very reason he got the part, which in fairness to him, he, he, he does it pretty well. Uh, so, you know, I asked him about this role and, and what it was like playing Ted as the showman, really, um, not just a, a serial killer, but Ted the showman, and this is what he said. To most of the people that knew him at that time, friends, friends or, or um, distant family or anyone that knew him at school, they described him as, a, as far, they would go so far as to say he was uh, at times fun-loving, very uh, smart, intuitive, young Republican. He had every sort of kind of white privilege, good-looking thing going for him. And that uh, right there makes this unique. Uh, A person of color couldn't have gotten away with any of those things back then, for instance. Like, he would have been... It's shocking. And as we move forward in the world, um, I think we have to be careful who we examine and who we put Mm -hmm. on TV. Um, Because the day that somebody made uh, that trial public, Ted Bundy was able to manipulate the masses and his charisma and his charm and his uh, clean-cut white uh, image. Um, He got away with everything, and that just is is, uh, heinous. It can't be done. We can't repeat history like that. So you can see that he really put it down to white privilege, and in a way, he's he's yeah. very much right, isn't he? Because you know, the, once you've seen the film and all the the doco about it, you find out that this guy kept on getting away with it. He actually escaped from prison twice. So I mean, yeah, he did keep on getting away with it until when he was finally he was executed in 1989. So that put an end it, to it, it. it. It cracks me up that like, well, it doesn't crack me up, but like the fact that. Ted Bundy escaped a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's insane how he's managed. To, I mean, it's his story is very interesting in, 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 in that sense, too. But what I find was fascinating is watching Zach do the press tour. And so he went on Graham Norton last week and he's now in the United States doing press work. And he's having a really hard time trying to defend his role and mm. and and he's he's been doing it in a way that he'll start off with saying that you know this is a this is a terrible character and I don't want to glorify him and then in some weird way he'll like kind of deflect it into some random <laughs> out of nowhere kind of statement and even if you watch the Graham Norton thing like he starts talking about it and then like somehow he doesn't know how to get out of that kind of ditch that he's kind of like oh, put Zach. himself in and it's just really uncomfortable and and so uh, even for him I think he's having a really hard time kind of defending this character that he's he's I I think quite proud that he did but yeah he can't say that he's proud because it's ted bundy so yeah it is a tricky one isn't it and of course it was the first nationally televised court case the ted bundy trial in the u.s so this was actually put it zapped into everyone's living rooms as entertainment yeah. and that's kind of the problem isn't it we're now watching it as a film as entertainment but obviously this is a man that killed over 30 women so yeah. it is a hard one to weigh up but that also makes it very interesting to watch but yeah I I understand why Zach's having a hard time defending it but he is the perfect casting it's got to be said because you're like oh it's Zac Efron high school musical and then you're like (laughs) oh hang on 
he's a bit murdery. So it is that, <laughs> it's, that, it's, that, it's that perfect contrast, isn't it, between what you're seeing with your eyes and then actually what's going yeah. on behind the scenes, which is perfect because that, that, is, that was Ted Bundy's trick that he, he used so well. And, and as you said, got away with it for so long. Actually, there's, there's too much to talk about in this podcast. There's too much good stuff. So I'm going to put out a bonus edition of the interview that I did with Zac Efron and Lily Collins and also the director of the film, Joe Berlinger. So you'll be able to catch up with everything on the film there. And the Joe Berlinger one, there's so much meaty stuff in there. Nice. I actually got loads of time with him. So yeah, definitely worth a listen. So we'll be putting that out on the day the film is released, which is Friday the 3rd of May. Um, and it also comes out on Sky Cinema that same day. So yeah, take a listen and you can hear all the details uh, before you see the film. Well, and also the weirdest thing just to finish up on finally is you tweeted, oh, you Instagrammed a picture of the poster when you were at the junket. And I was drying my hair and (laughs) I had this sudden moment of awakening when I realised I was wearing the exact same outfit as Ted Bundy. Katie, did you... For those who haven't seen seen the poster, it's kind of like a tight yellow yellow roll neck neck sweater, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so uh, it's uh, Ted Bundy chic. I apparently didn't even know that I was dressing like a serial killer. Did did you change or did you just ham it up even more? I did change, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh dear, it's not a good look. It's never the look to go for, is it? Anyway, right, that's it for this week. We're done now, aren't we, really? Um, We should go. So we will uh, talk to you very soon. We'll speak to you hopefully in a fortnight. Uh, If not, maybe sooner if there's even more showbiz stories that happen. But um, yes, we'll speak to you very soon. If you want to get in touch, though, then please do. If you've got any questions or recommendations, TV shows or films that you think we should be talking about, then we always like to hear stuff like that. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Instagram at SpennyPicks. Stevie, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I'm on Twitter at Wongy1. Bethany Minnell. And I'll be tweeting at Bethany Minnell. And we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye. 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 Bye.